listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 92, where we will not be discussing chapter 13 because Amanda had a baby. What? <laughs> um, so we considered, because this is kind of last minute, we considered doing, um, just having a bye week um, and then starting with you, Robin and I. It said what? 92, but it's 93. Did I say 92? You did. Motherfucker. I thought maybe you were wrong and you corrected yourself when I went and looked at it as 93. It's because I'm looking at the script for 92. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, you know what? I'm going to leave it in. It's episode 93. Look, this episode's going to be a train wreck. It is. It's, right? it's trash. <laughs> but it's Shadowhunter trash, you. so you're going to love it. Exactly. It's Halloween. Robin and I are like, let's put something together. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, this is not organized. This is kind of off the cuff. Um, we're just going to talk about Shadowhunter shit. Spoilers. So, Lots of spoilers. Right. Lots of spoilers. So, like, if you have not read everything, just you've been warned. We're um, um, obviously we're still sticking with the theme, the main theme of the books I haven't read that you have. So that's right. Red Scrolls of Magic, the Bane Chronicles and the uh-huh. Lost Book of the White. I have not read those. So right. if I'm saying something that sounds stupid in those books, that's why. <laughs> so without further ado, I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And it Amanda sounded like we were really waiting for her to be there. <laughs> we, we really do. And Amanda had a baby, so she's not here right now, obviously. She had a more pressing manners matters at hand. <laughs> exactly. A more pressing, precious manner. Yes. And we're really excited okay. for Bubs, yes. obviously. And um, I just so want you to know this is going to be cute. trash from two trashy ladies. Amen. And it's going to be, you're going to love it. You are. Okay, so in order to record this episode... We were thinking we had a bunch of like quick thoughts to go together, right? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to look. I read or actually I listened to. I haven't actually read Chain of Iron, but I listened to the audiobook in literally like a day and a half. Yep. It was like eat, sleep, pray, Chain of Iron. <laughs> yep. So everything, as you know, kind of like congealed together. And I waited to listen to Chain of Gold until Chain of Iron was like on the precipice of being released. Right. So everything really ran together for me. And I wasn't uh-huh. that quick sort of like, oh, my God, here's the synopsis of everything that happened. So I need for my sanity, Kristen, to help me piece the pieces together of what happened. <laughs> or I'm going to die. Right. Slowly and painfully, because I feel like I've lost a part of my soul not remembering everything that exactly happened. Right. So. How do we start? What happens? I remember how it ended. Tell me the beginning of this book. Oh, shit. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Hold on. I need to make sure that I'm right. That's fair. I can't remember the beginning. I remember, obviously, the big, big plot parts. Uh-huh. And I don't need to remember every nitty-gritty little detail. It's... For me, I was thinking when I was doing that, I was like, okay, I have the whole like overarching plot, 
which will be yeah. great to go into the nitty gritty when we do the podcast. Okay, so Chain of Iron starts with um, James and Cordelia being engaged. Um, because remember, at the end of uh, Chain of Iron, she stood up and was like, James was with me all night to like give him cover for burning down Blackthorn Manor. Right. You, cha- you said um, Chain of Iron, but you meant Chain of Gold. Yes. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just going to say Gold and Iron because it's too much and I get confused. So she covered for him, but also like made herself look like a whore in Victorian culture. <laughs> so he's like, we got to get married. And so he told her like, oh, we'll get married for a year and then we'll get a divorce and that will be okay. Right. <laughs> like, sure. All right. Um, and he's like, and then you can blame it all on me and everyone will hate me and they'll love you. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So, so they're, they're jumping into this with it being a facade, right? It's a fake fiance trope, except they get married in like chapter three. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and then it's just the beginning of their marriage. The thing that I thought was weird when I was reading this, basically, it's like, I know it sounds romantic and probably, obviously, again, my lens of it being 20, 21, but it's like, he bought a house and did all this stuff and didn't talk to her. Don't decorate my bedroom for me, bro. Like, I know it was a nice effort. Yeah. The thought was there. He put a lot of feeling into it. But, like, no, discuss that with me. I get an equal say. Right. Right. Yes. In in our modern yeah. uh, vision of how, yeah, I would be irate. I'd be like, you don't even know. Like, what are you doing? However, I I do, I there is a part of me that's like, the chivalry of him carefully because it wasn't like he hired some designer to like just whatever do it the the thought and the care he put into selecting pieces that are specifically significant to her culture and like Uh being aware of like I want to make this house a home for her she's leaving her family home to come live with me even though you know we're fake well we're real getting married but like it's not uh-huh legit or whatever that was like that hit me in my heart I know. it hit me in my feels so hard I was like oh but yeah you're right because the part the one part of me is like the fuck you doing I don't want to pick the wallpaper this is my job I'm the wife like what are you talking like if we're talking like societal roles in Victorian England like for sure the wife would be the one to decorate the house right that was one of the things I liked. So I like the I like the way that they like sprinkle in the characters from the infernal devices. Yes. Into this. And I yes. liked that they were saying like basically Tessa like redid the institute, you know? She yeah. likes this and she likes that. So she did all these like you know, these which again, I'm know that I'm this is the hill I'm going to die on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She spent all that time redoing the London Institute, right? Uh-huh. Her children are still alive. Where the fuck you at, girl? Where the fuck you at? I know. I know you're upset because your husband died. But you had. Fast forwarding. Sorry. I know we are. (laughs) Because I can't. We said this was a hot mess and I just can't get over it. It made me. You triggered me. I triggered myself. (laughs) Just like, I know you're upset that Will died. Will is amazing. He's one of the best characters. We know this. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like. It was a sudden death, right? 
He no, died, he of, died old in age. old age. Yeah. You preparing yourself and then you just abandon your children and your possible grandchildren. Right. I don't understand. That never made sense to me. Now, I can understand like needing time away. Mm-hmm. And as an immortal, maybe that time away is a long time. Like at this point, your your kids have kids, right? Like you've, you, your family, your kids are gr- full grown, uh-huh. right? When, when Will dies. So I understand like needing to go off and maybe she takes a couple of years to just like get her head right or whatever. But the idea, and now we don't know necessarily how much she saw her children after she like bounced. Uh-huh. So I guess I guess we're we're kind of talking without having the full story. Right. But the impression that we get from the source material that we have is that she like fucking bounced and was like, All right, have fun. I'm basically dead now. And then everybody in the Shadow Hunter world forgot that a warlock was a shadow hunter. Uh-huh. Right? Because Shadow Hunter Blood because oh yeah, big spoilers. Shadow Hunter Blood is uh dominant. So even though she is a warlock, technically she was still a shadow hunter, which is why she was able to run the Institute with Will and be there uh-huh. and, you know, do all that stuff. But it's mind boggling to me that like that was just never no one remembers. We'll talk about them using Magnus as an <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> I got a frog in my throat. I'm not upset. Like and again, we're missing a chunk of history right because we go from what we have we have ghosts through the shadow market that kind of like pops Mm -hmm. in throughout with jim's point of view but you obviously his world is revolving around tessa also and so Mm -hmm. the last i feel like obviously correct me if i'm wrong the Mm -hmm. last bit of like okay sorry no worries speaking of the hot mess we're off our normal recording schedule so you might hear a child yeah Hopefully not. He'll be quiet, but just in case. Sorry. Okay, anyway, we get a glimpse of Tessa during her time, her stint as a nurse in World War II. Correct. Right after Will died. Right. And then we flash forward to what? What's her next? Because in the 80s, they bring up Valentine and... Uh Yeah, because the circle was was hipping and hopping in the 80s, right? Because they were... Because we know. don't get her. Do we get her in the 50s, 60s, or 70s at all? Um, I don't think so. Now, I will preface this by saying I have not read the Bane Chronicles either. And I do know that there are Tessa, Magnus, Katarina, Ragnar, like, exploits from when, like, they all hung out after Will died. And, like, she kind of decided to embrace her warlock side because uh-huh. up until that point she was like she just hung out with the shadow hunters like she wasn't really like i mean she was a powerful warlock for sure uh-huh. but like she hadn't embraced the lifestyle of the immortal because she was still living her i guess i would call it like her first life uh-huh right so it's like she was living like a human and then her spouse died and she's like okay like I'm still, I still look like I'm 19. Like uh-huh. <laughs> my, my 76 year old husband just died. Um, my children look older than me. My grandchildren at this point are probably my age in, in terms of looks. Uh-huh. Right. And so I, I can see, I can understand that like, that's 
layers and layers of mind fuck, right? Uh-huh. And I could totally see Tessa thinking in her head, like, I'm immortal. These people are mortals. It is normal for your grandmother to die. Like, and to not be in your, and your mother not to be, like, in your life, your entire fucking life, right? Like, it's normal that your parents die before you. And so, like, the idea of, like, maybe it's time for me to step away and let my kids figure out their own destinies and be, you know, and not come in and, I don't know. But Uh then again, at the same time, I'm like, no, like, these are your kids. What are you doing? Like, don't you want to know what's going on? Like, I, but then you just watch the love of your life die. Do you want, really want to watch your children die too? Right. Like, I understand I understand. It's it's a hard it's a rock and a hard place. We're not immortal. We don't fucking know. <laughs> uh-huh. I was hoping upon hope that one of her kids would also like Lucy or or Jan, one of them would also have that warlock trait that went down and one of them yeah. too would be able to be immortal and we just didn't know. Yeah, me too. I don't think that's it the was, thing. It was fingers crossed. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. But one of the things that really bothers me about the long-term story and now I will preface this by saying like Cassandra Clare has done a really good job of expanding this world and making things interconnect and make sense and you know like the in terms of like generational storytelling like I really love this world and how it handles things and how you can see like little bits of Anna Lightwood in um, Isabel and Alec, right? And and little, like, you can see where family traits have passed down and, and things like that. And it's nice. It, it's, it's a great world. But the one thing that I've never understood, and the only way that I can explain it is that it, it has to be, like, a bureaucracy situation, is why no one knows about Tessa. Like, Tessa's a powerful warlock. Everyone knows about Magnus. Right? Like, how does nobody know that Tessa Gray, like, is this by design? Is this her thing? Or did the Shadowhunters try to cover up her involvement? Like, she was a long-standing member of, you know, the community in the Clave, and she did a lot of the shit. The Enclave, she, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they saved the world how many fucking times? Like, she's a big deal. So the fact that, like, Jace doesn't know who the fuck she is, is weird to me. I the only way I can think of it is like they didn't want like there was a time in the history maybe it was in the 80s maybe it was before that when people got like when tensions were high with downworlders and maybe they scrubbed her information but that doesn't make sense for like I don't know it just it it seems weird to me I'm like I don't understand I want the answer I want to know why, like, Jem popping up in, um, uh, what is it? What did she pop up? Did I say Jem? I meant Tessa. Uh-huh. Um, when Tessa pops up at the end of, um, the Mortal Instruments and then in, um, TDA, like, she has to be, like, introduced. And, and I'm like, how do you guys not know that a warlock ran the... London Institute. That's the thing. I'm like, I know you guys are into history. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. 
I don't know. But yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. So I would like to know, let's post something in the Facebook group. Cause I want to know what your guys' theories are. Like, why do you think that Tessa was basically scrubbed from the record? Yeah. We'll like, have to put a spoiler warning choice? on it or whatever. So it'll be in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I don't know. I just, so what I was thinking of like, so she goes and obviously she's like roomies with Katarina loss. Right. And she goes into the spiral labyrinth and like, hardcore studies onto that my thing is maybe it seems like where we're at in the edwardian victorian period right Mm -hmm. the accords are signed they're improving their relationship with downworlders and shadow hunters and it seems like the shadow hunters were like gangbusters with are pretty much like very progressives they're progressives right like oh yeah for charlotte using you know everybody whatever yeah so if Tessa and Will were in charge of the Institute and then I feel like there's an excerpt in Ghost of the Shadow Market where it's like, oh, yeah, Tessa's kids were in the U.S. I feel like there's a thing there where it's like her kids were overseas, like to escape the war Ooh, or whatever. Maybe. I feel like I read that. Oh, I, I think you might be right. But and it was just like I, a, I, I remember something about someone being in New York, and it was just like a blanket statement. York. Like her kids left; they're not here. Yeah. Um. So it's like who was in charge of the London London Institute after that? That didn't use Tessa as a resource, right? Or were or, they just in a golden age where that was just kind of like some regular patrols, and there's not some evil supervillain like a Valentine or a Malcolm Fade. Or maybe, you know, the the violence of World War Two pushed like the demons to another place or like like they were like, Hey, I, I don't wanna fuck around with like this shit. Like I'm gonna go somewhere else. Like maybe that's part of it. Or my other question is, who ran the institute after Will died? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you, yeah, like, like that. I, I, I'm, I'm hanging on that, that question because that's a good question because I don't think it was any of their children. Okay, I'm gonna um go on my Google box. Yes. Um. The other thing I wanted to um. Oh, I spelled that way wrong. Okay, um, while I'm Googling this, when I was yes. trying to read, get the synopsis of Chain of Iron, which obviously we've, like, blown to the wayside, so sorry. Yeah. Um, it opened up Pandora's box, which yes. we knew this was going to do. Anyway, there was a fan theory, and I really, really am sorry that I didn't write down the name of the person whose fan theory it was. Oh, uh-huh. So I should probably go back and look. But they said basically in the Dark Artifices, ties at the Scholomance, right? Yeah. And in his headboard, it says like it's carved, I did not choose this life. And it the date is 1904. And so people are thinking that that's Matthew who did that. <gasps> I don't think so. I don't know. Somebody said Thomas. People said Matthew. But so Chain of Iron takes place in 1903. Right. 
So it's like who, you know, you know, that has to be someone we know. Has to. I wonder if it's Alistair. So this is in 1857, the Hedda's Institute Granville Fairchild hosted the initial meetings between shadow hunters and downwarders to discuss and lay out the possible terms of the accords. Mm-hmm. So 1857, we're in the Fairchilds. After his death, leadership of the Institute passed to Charlotte Branwell and partially her husband, Henry. She accepted in the wards, well, Herondale, Jim Carsters, Jessamine Lovelace, and later a warlock, Tessa Gray. In 1887, the Institute was attacked and infiltrated by Axel Mortmain and his clockwork army. Blah, blah, blah. Will Wait, was appointed. In, in when? 1878. Oh, okay. I thought you said 1887. I was no. like, what? So, and then Will was appointed as Charlotte's successor when Charlotte became consul. Mm-hmm. In December 1903, James and Cordelia's wedding took place in the Institute. Just as Will and Tessa's had 23 years prior, and Jim moved out to his new house on James. Sorry. <laughs> I, I yeah. read James and I said Jim. They go to Curzon Street. Yeah. Uh, the Herondale, a week or so later, the Institute was attacked. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. The Herondale family continued to run the Institute until around the 1900s. Yeah. And then it goes to tw- 2007. And um, yeah. Sebastian and Darkened. Yeah. Because we know that Will died. Okay. Will was born in 1860 and he died at 76. So can you do the math for me on that? Oh, hold on. I didn't hear you. What was, what'd you so, say? When uh, did he, he die? Was born in, he was born in 86, uh, 1860 and he died at 76. So add 76 to 1860. N- 1936. Okay, yeah. So 1936 or 37, around, like, within that year. Because he was born December 30th. Um, He's almost got your birthday. I know. So close. Um, So, yeah, okay. So he held the Institute until he died, and then it went to someone else. So this says, okay, this says late 1900s. Marcus Herondale and Imogen Herondale are co-heads. Yes. So I guess it did stay in the Herondale family. Or it might have come back. And then Andrew Blackthorne was the former. And Arthur Blackthorne. So the Blackthorns before, had before it. Imogen? Uh-huh. Okay. Marcus. So that makes sense. Because what we know in Chain of Iron specifically, like, they get into it heavy in Chain of Iron. Um, but, like... Because of Tessa's, like, parentage, Lucy and James are not looked on. Even though they're heroes, obviously, there's a big part of the clave that's like, you guys have demon blood. Like, we don't, and I don't think Tessa was ever officially, like, in charge of the Institute. I think just because, like, it was, like, one of those things that we didn't talk about. It's not official, but, like, obviously she is. Well, so the thing is, the consul is, the consul's Charlotte, and the consul gets to appoint the institute head leader, right? right? And so, obviously, Charlotte appointed well. Right. And so, everybody else just kind of needs to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because she said so. Right. So, but but that would, what I mean is, like, that would make sense that it the institute would not go to James or or. 
Lucy, Lucy necessarily, um, because Charlotte would be gone, would not be consul because consul's only. It's it's not like a forever thing, right? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so either. Um, but regardless, she's older than Will, so I'm sure she's not the consul after Will's death, right? Well, I'm sure it's somebody else. And for me, looking at these, like the lineage, the family tree or whatever, you were saying, you had said before that like it's been known that the like that family tree can change or whatever. Like right, fake right. ones or it's, whatever. And I don't yeah. want to look too much into it because I just want everything to be this delicious surprise. But then the like investigation discovery side of my life. Yes. So does that mean Imogen is a dr- and Marcus? Oh crap! Marcus is the direct descendant. The, he's Imogen the direct married descendant. into the family. That's what yeah. Because Jace is a descendant of Will. Correct. Well, because then that's the thing. Okay, obviously, I'm like, I feel bad because I'm going to say spoilers, but we've already done this. Yeah, no, this is full spoilers. Because most obviously. Of, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners have read all of the books. Right. Well, obviously, when you get Kit involved into it, then that's what trips me out. Because his lineage isn't. He's not a descendant of Will or Jace. That we know of, no. That we know of right now. Because we know he's, he's a Herondale. Uh-huh. But we don't know. Because his, oh God, okay, now I'm trying to, ooh, deep cut. Now I'm trying to like dig into my memory because he is the child of uh, his Johnny Rook, right? Who for the first part of that series, we think he's the lost Herondale. Uh-huh. And then we find out, no, 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 no. His mom was both the lost Herondale and... The Seely and Unseely uh, child, child, or, descendant, or descendant, right? Uh huh. So she's both wrapped in one. <laughs> so she's how he kind of. Well, the thing with that that's so with that, awful yeah. is it's like Johnny Rook is such a dick, right? Like he treats Kit like crap that you know of, and all this other stuff, and then you see what he went through, and you're just like, oh my god, why she does it every time, and it, yet it still she surprises does. me. She does. Well, okay. Hold on. Are we, are we like, are, did we wrap up the Tessa thing? Like, can we, we can didn't, we but we can be subject? done. It's fine. Okay. It is never, that is never going to die. Just so yeah, you know. Well, let's, yeah, let's be honest. This, this conversation will never stop. Like it, it just keeps continuing. Um, But let's, let's talk about TDA for a minute. Oh my because God. Because TDA for me was so like it was so invigorating reading it because it 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 I hadn't been reading for a while um I, I certainly hadn't read any um any Shadowhunter books for a while and then um what was it Lord, Lord of Shadows Lady Midnight Lady Midnight is the first one I think I'm okay, pretty yeah. sure so yeah, Lady Midnight came out, and I devoured that book. And I was like, oh, my God. And I think the beginning of TDA really marks kind of a, a, a fresh, not fresh, a shift in Cassandra Clare's storytelling. Because I do think that the TDA books are much more complex, much more, um, the plot feels more like, 
engaging and the pacing feels better to me. You However, know she had to have like a giant murder board for that plot. Oh, a hundred percent. Not to mention how much of TDA ties into the Infernal Devices and uh, the uh, Last Hour series and all of that. And also the Mortal Instruments because all those characters are still like around. Yep, they're bebopping around. But TDA, I really, I don't know. I just, I found it to be so much more complex and sophisticated than the Mortal Instruments series. Um, Almost like this series was aging up with the readership. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I feel like the Mortal Instruments is definitely like, I mean, I guess not mid-grade, but kind of like age range of like 13 to 16, right, is like ideal pinpoint age. Whereas TDA feels like, yes, the characters are like the same age, but it elevates, the story elevates it to a more complex um, plot and, 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 and material. So it feels like comprehension wise it's a little bit older like they're dealing with bigger issues like yeah death whatever yada yada but they're also it's the first it's i mean it's the first time we really discuss sex in uh-huh. in the main stories of, of this book in any like length or or like with a thoughtful and progressive outlook on like the way that they think about sex and these kids and you know mm-hmm there's that. There's a lot of like emotional stuff. And like with Julian in particular, right? Like he raised his 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 siblings. Um so he had to be kind of like the adult of the situation. And I really enjoyed these characters. Yes, they're teenagers. They were infinitely more mature uh-huh. than the Mortal Instruments characters, which when I first read the Mortal Instruments, I was a, a young person and that didn't bother me. But rereading, we all know how many times I fight with Clary. <laughs> like, it drives me nuts. Right. All of that being said, all of those great things about TDA and how much I, I, I love the story. I don't, I'm not super into Emma and Julian. Like, they're fine. Uh-huh. I don't I don't find there's nothing wrong with them, but I don't have I do have a bit of a connection with Julian just because of like his role in the family. I really liked that and that really resonated with me. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I felt like it was more of an ensemble cast, which I enjoyed. Uh-huh. Um, but because it was kind of the focus was more spread out. I didn't really like latch on to the main characters as much and their relationship. What about you? What do you think? Um, I will remember, I don't know why this is stupid, but I'm going to tell you cause whatever. Remember the first time I tried to listen to the audio of that book? Yes. I was making so dinner. Yeah. And I was so annoyed cause the, the narrator is awesome. I do like him. But the tone of it, I literally, like, I couldn't, I had no comprehension. And it mm-hmm. is an ensemble cast. So I couldn't figure out who was who or who was talking or who these people were. Right. There's so many characters. I'm like, I can't do this. I have to read it. I have to mm-hmm. read it. I have to physically get the book. Or that I think I got, like, a Google Playbooks or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and actually sit down and read it. So when I did that, I was able to actually, you know, get into it. And I didn't um, power through the series as much, which is surprising to me because, well, it's not because I had like newborn children and, you know. Right. all that life. Oh, right. All that other stuff going. But once I got into it, I was just like, I really liked the nostalgia of thinking of Shadowhunter books, right? Like, I remember I left my copy of Clockwork Princess in the trunk of my now husband's car, who at the time was my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so I had to buy another copy of it because I wanted to read it and I wasn't going to see him. So I have two copies of that book. Yeah. For that reason happening. <laughs> Wait, didn't you find that book in the trunk of that car like a long time later? I did because I just up and lost it. I couldn't figure out why, like, why was it in the trunk or whatever, which obviously just needed to be moved. But right. yeah, so then I found the copy of the book when we went to sell the car years later because it stopped right, working. Because, yeah, because he didn't have that car for very long after you guys started dating and he got a new car. But like he had it, but like he wasn't driving it. You guys weren't using it. Uh-huh. It, it went belly up, so we had to get a different car, and we didn't want to put the money into fixing it. So I found the copy of that book in the trunk of that car before we sold it. Like, they're, like these books are so intertwined into big parts of my life. Like, I was talking about the last yes. time, like, we, I was with my great-grandma. I was reading City of Bones, like, mm-hmm. on this camping trip or whatever. The last time we were all together. Like, there's so many things that this books like, have been tied into, like, big parts of my life or whatever. Kind of like Harry Potter. Although, yeah. not really, because... I didn't read Harry Potter till I was in high school. Mm. And then I powered through most of them. And then we did like the midnight releases and the movies and stuff. Yeah. So I, I got into it at the right time as far as all the other stuff coming up. When but these, things were coming out. Yeah. Yeah. These were seriously like moving out on my own and like all this other stuff. Anyway, I had those nostalgia feelings with the dark artifices. No, mm-hmm. sorry. Scratch that. TMI. And the Infernal uh-huh. Devices. And I wasn't quite getting that connection to the Dark Artifices. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't really know. Like, whatever. The books are really freaking long. And like. I remember. Because it was the first one. It was, it was only the first one that was out. And I remember. Because we were living next door to each other at this time. I remember hounding you. Like, I need someone to talk to. And you're like, eh. And then wasn't it when Lord of Shadows came out? You started it again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I went back and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to read it. Because at that yeah. time you were like obsessed with Audible. Obsessed. It was, yeah, that, I think that was like 2016 or something. And it was like right when I first got Audible and I was like, oh my God, I can consume books, but also be like proactive and like clean the kitchen and do the dishes at the same time like this is amazing uh-huh. <laughs> it's the best thing since sliced bread bro <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so then when I got into it I'm like oh my god you get to see all these different worlds the plot mm-hmm. is so like complex mm-hmm. I love the characters I agree with I don't know I'm I'm I know to me, it's like you expect, like you can expect kind of certain things when you read a Shadowhunter book, right? There's drama. You there's have, a love triangle. Yeah, there's a love triangle. There's drama. There's like. You think you're in love with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, you know, like, oh, this character's going to be witty and like snarky or whatever. Yeah. And then there's a brooding emo, like mm-hmm. whatever. That's like the main 
guy, right? It's it's a yeah. Jace, it's a Julian, yeah, it's a Will, and it's like I'm so over it, but I'm not. Right. Well, they they are all a little bit different, right? Uh-huh. Like they have like I guess in in TDA's case, I would say Emma is more the Jace than Julian, right? Like she's the snarky, quick-witted, you know, whatever. Julian's just like he's a frazzled single dad. He's so tired. He just wants a fucking nap and he just wants to bone his best friend. Like come on. That's <laughs> literally all he wants in his fucking life. <laughs> this poor guy. But what I really liked about Julian's characterization is how dark he went. And that, I think, is the thing that really connected me with him. Because I was like, he is 100% morally gray. Like, he is not one way or the other. He's like, it depends on the situation. I'll kill whoever the fuck I got to kill to protect my family. Uh huh. And I like how dark he goes. Because I feel like it's more realistic than this, like... However, I will say my one big gripe with TDA, spoiler alert, this whole fucking thing's a spoiler alert. I do feel like they jumped the ship or they jumped the shark with the whole like them becoming these giant Nephilims and like the power of love, calm them down and save them. Like that was lame. There should have been like a magical item or or something like it should have been more practical. The fact I just, that it was like my love for you and my family's just telling you that they love you and these giant angels are gonna be like, Oh bro, yeah, cool, cool, cool and just calm down and like not burn your brother alive. Like that doesn't make any sense. I'm just like I okay, I obviously I remember that, but I'm just like when I was reading it was like, come on. Like a hundred percent. Like they're turning into giants. But then I was like, I guess they're becoming more angelic and then angels are giants and like, sure. And they're like, all of the angels we've met have been dicks. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't I have mean, time. That's the traditional. Right. We don't yeah. have time for your mortal bullshit. Like, yeah. How dare you? So it's yeah. like they get that sort of like one track. But it just kind of made me think of like giant transformer robots or whatever. Like, yeah. But anyway, I agree. Like, I wish that there wasn't an, an item or an object or like something that made a little bit more. Well, and the thing is there was so much climax to that. Yes. Yes. Like, Even like starting now, back. I'm not as bitter. In the infernal <laughs> devices they're talking about how one of Tessa's, they're not Tessa. I'm so sorry. Silas. Silas killed himself because of his yep. parabro tie. So you've yeah, known since then it's a big, no, no, big taboo. And yeah. I just don't understand, like, I feel like it's such a big no-no that yeah. you know, before you have a parabotide or choose your parabotide, that that's a thing. Yeah. Right? And I feel like, obviously, Julian and Emma did it so that they wouldn't be separated. Right. Which was their which reasoning. Makes sense. Yeah. But at the and they same were young. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's going to be an issue, man. Mm-hmm. Well, and Simon, like, that's the thing that kills me is with Simon, like, in the Shadowhunter uh, Academy, we get to see Julian and Emma's paratide ritual. And Simon is, like, bearing witness. And he sees, he's like, whoa, Julian's in love with Emma. Like, like he sees it. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But he doesn't say anything. 
And yeah, I was very bitter when it happened because I'm like, this whole story is so intertwined. There's so much going on and you've got the Skolomance and the Centurions and then the fucking crazy political bullshit, which was so exciting to me. I love that kind of stuff. Um, Cause it makes me like, just like irate and angry and like, there's no one I hate more than Zara. Dude, that woman needs to die. But, um, you're right. It, it's just, it, there was so much to love about this series. And then I feel like they just phoned it in for this. Uh-huh. Like, and I'm like, oh. as like, much I as I get it, it's a shadow hunter book. The, the main characters aren't going to die. And they have to, it has to end. It has to wrap up. Right. But, like, can we have a little more consequence? Like, wouldn't it have been better if she cut all the parabatai bonds? Like, how much of a fucking... Like, because she was going to. Uh-huh. Or Julian was going to. I can't remember which one was right. going to. But <clears throat> it's like, at least then there would have been a consequence, right? Like, it feels like there wasn't any consequence. Mm-hmm. Aside from... I mean, I guess Livy died and Robert died. Uh-huh. But that wasn't a direct consequence of Emma and Julian being together when they're not supposed to be together. I also like, I feel like that should have been a consequence. The thing with Kit bringing Livy back, like, and how her ghost, it makes me so sad. You mean Ty? Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, Ty yeah. and Kit, yeah. sorry. Bringing Livy back. Like, that makes me so sad. Because, you know, she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. She was just like, fuck, and come on, man. Yeah. Well, and then he well, will. And... Yeah, Sorry. Don't go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. So he will die. And she's just going to be there in limbo. Yeah. Until, unless they can find a way to help her pass. Uh-huh. But, yeah. And that's, that's really, and even Magnus was like, fuck, what did you do? Uh-huh. Like, this is a bad, bad news bears. Um, and like the whole thing with like Livy with fucking Mina, like, she's like, I'm going to possess this baby. And then she's like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, like that whole scene, I was like, oh shit. Like, shit is going down. Like, it felt very, like, stakes are high. Like, we brought back Lucy, but did we just bring back Lucy? Like, is there a part of, like, is she the same Lucy? You and mean I, Livy? I'm really excited. Yeah, Livy. Not Lucy. Sorry, Livy. Sorry. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out in Wicked Powers. Because I am obsessed with Kit, Ty, Livy, Drusilla. Like, the whole... That younger generation that's going to be Wicked Powers, I am so fucking stoked. I am a little disappointed. I'm going to say that. I'm going to use that word. Okay, here's the thing. I expect and I want happy endings. But when I get them, it feels unfulfilling sort of at the same time. Because I was like, okay. Like the, um, I would never suspect the Clave to split off into two factions like that, honestly. Uh Uh-huh. That seems very like okay, which maybe it does, but to it's me, like it totally made sense. Yeah, I was like, like oh yeah, I see. I that. was like okay with that, but it's like, like I love the fact that Alice, Alice, <laughs> Alec, <laughs> and Magnus got married. Just yes. it was so cheesy. 
It was. It was cheesy, but I loved every fucking minute of it. It was 100% put in there specifically for fan service. Uh-huh. Like, it would have been a bonus story, but, like, she's like, I'm just going to put it in like, uh-huh. the main canon. Um, But it also, we waited, like, 12 books for that scene. Uh-huh. Okay? Like, it's been a long time. I feel like we deserve to have it in a book. Like, and pay off in that way. And... Like, I haven't really been able to talk about it much because we, we don't do spoilers in the normal sense. But Alex's fucking character arc is like chef's kiss. Fucking beautiful. Where he was when he was, like, throwing Clary up against a wall because he thought she knew he was gay. Like, where he was there compared to where he is at the end of TDA is, like, just... It's it's everything. I I fucking love who he grew up to be. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Anyway, I love Alec Lightwood. Let's be honest. Right. Of course, everything. Well, so okay. It was cheesy, but I needed it, and I'd be mad if we didn't get it. Basically, a hundred for that. Yeah. But to me, it's like I I can't remember what book it's in. To be honest with uh-huh. you, I think it might be in Ghost of the Shadow Market, where it's that scene where basically the evil Jace comes over from. Ugh, from Where, Thule. Thule, that's what it's called. Janice. Uh-huh. J- yep, Jan- Janice. And I'm just like, can like we it. be done with Sebastian and them now? Can we be done? Can he be dead, please? Right. Like, can we be done with Sebastian and evil Sebastian and evil Jace? And like, yeah, I just, I want Jason Clary to become Will and Tessa. Yeah. Pop in. Hey, what's up, guys? Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah. I, I just, he need like, I want to be done with Sebastian. Right. And all of that other stuff. I would much rather, like, to me, okay. Yeah. Sebastian is fucking evil. Okay. Yeah. But he is, wears his evil on his sleeve. Yes. Right? Like, yes. this guy is crazy. I would much rather see something with like the Sealy Queen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because she is so manipulative. Which I think is is a hundred percent where we're going in the Wicked Powers. Because I, I, I think you're right. I'm so sick of the fucking Jace shit. Like just can we not do an evil Jace? Like it's so easy. On. It's such a cop out to me. It's like it is. Oh, then of course like we get all the information. Before. He just looks like Jace and people move on. And it's like, to me, isn't yeah. he still obsessed with Clary? Right. Like, can we, like, can that die? Like, we thought we were over the whole creepy, weird, Clace. Right. Obsessive, whatever thing. And they have such a, I think that their relationship was always unhealthy. In yeah. Mortal Instruments. Yeah. Super codependent. Exactly. Not even the fact that obviously, like, take out the brother lover thing which is funny to say but whatever take out that part of it but it's like very much like her entire identity yeah is clace yeah her whole life gets upended when he's like avoiding her right like everything and and i get like yes your boyfriend avoiding you out of nowhere is like distressing a hundred percent like i understand that but the fact that like we spread it out over fucking six books where these people were like just like obsessed with each other but couldn't be together and uh-huh 
I got tired. Like, by the time the heavenly fire kicked in, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, can we just let them be together? Like, this is ridiculous. Exactly. Like, I just, they're finally to, like, okay, here's the thing. We were talking about the um, actual artist is growing as a writer. It's like, the first, like, six books of TMI, the arc overarching story is these two kids that want to be together and can't be together and exactly. all the obstacles and everything in the way. And yeah, there's other stuff and we're building a world and shadow hunters and everything. That's not the story in like, it's part of the story in yeah. the dark artifices, but there's so much more. Exactly. And so like yeah, now de- it's just like, we are definitely we, saw that shift. Right. Are we really bringing this back again? Yeah. And maybe it's just because so many people love Clace that they want more. But, like, um, I think part of it, so, I, I think, I, I don't like, I don't like Janice. One, I hate that fucking name. Why? It just makes me think of, like, oh, my God. We <laughs> like had Janice. a box spring in our company that was called the Janice box spring. So, that's what it makes me think of. And it was spelled <laughs> the same way. Because the whole line was done off Greek gods. Oh. <sighs> The part that was cringy about that, mm -hmm. the worst part is he's narrating in his own mind, I'm going to call myself this. And it just makes me feel like he's, I don't even know, like a snake that's trying to talk. I don't know. Like, and I think that was (laughs) kind of the point. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, I, I, I hate the Janice thing. I understand that it's going to be important to Ash's storyline to be for his storyline to be resolved. And I am very intrigued with like what is going to happen with Ash. Uh-huh. Because a hundred percent there's going to be an Ash Drusilla um, Jaime love triangle. It's going to happen. This is Cassandra Clare. Okay. If, if there is, Anything that you can fucking bet money on in Vegas and win for sure, it's that her book is going to have a love triangle in it. <laughs> Always. And you know what? Like, I know a lot of people, um, like, get, they're like, oh, this love triangle thing, it's tired, blah, 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 blah. I understand. However, Cassandra, one thing that people beat up on Cassandra Clare about is is the love triangle thing. I don't think that we take into account how nuanced she makes it. Yes, TMI, that was crazy. That was young, immature, teenagers, you know, whatever. But when you get into, like, the love triangle and chain of iron with, like, James, Cordelia, Matthew, th- no one's acting on this. Like, it's just a group of friends. And guess what? Someone can, like, two people at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're not, it's not like Cordelia's running around bed hopping and like, they're all trying to figure out their feelings. They're all scared. They're all teenagers. Like, I don't feel like that love triangle is necessarily a love triangle as much as it is like, they're just trying to figure it out. Like, no one's decided anything yet. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So for, um, obviously, I have weird characters that I like, right? Like Matthew or Matt, Mark, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Mark's an, a beautiful character. I know. He is. But in... It's like a plate of strawberries. 
lightly crusted with sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? Um, in I don't even know chain where, of iron. I, I don't even know if I had a point. <laughs> it's it's just different. So, like, obviously, the love triangle in TDA is Kieran, Mark, Christina, Christina, mm-hmm. and. When I read it the first time, I was like, what a cop out. But I was like, you know what? It's not. Because it's like the most, obviously, that is not something I've experienced or felt or whatever. But I Mm -hmm. feel like, and so I don't know, because I'm basically like, I am, what is it? I'm going to say this incorrectly, so tell me the right way and then like edit it if you need it. But like Uh a white cisgender woman right yeah so me which I'm very like ally sort of person but saying I understand the perspective of something when I haven't lived it is not right a thing right but in my basically my headspace of reading that it felt like it was true to somebody that would feel that way like I it's genuine love there's genuine love for both parties like No, like, there's not that. And it wasn't some, like, fucking magic poof of pixie dust. Everybody's happy. Everyone loves... Like, that was a hard-won relationship. Between Kieran, like, fucking betraying Mark and getting Julian and, and then Emma whipped. And, like, this whole fucking, like, complicated, very high emotions. And they had to figure a way out through it. With maturity. Uh-huh. Which made for me when when they all three like were like, wait a minute, I think <laughs> I think we can make this work. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it was so much more fulfilling because they had worked so hard to get uh-huh. over like all of these really legitimate hurdles. Like this is not fucking my boyfriend had a dream that he killed me, and so like my whole life is fucking over right like these people had legitimate things like legitimate betrayal legitimate like trust building and I think because they weren't the main characters we got more space more Uh breathing room to like let them figure their stuff out without it being important that something wrapped up in book one something wrapped up in book two because they're not the main cast you can leave things a little bit Mm -hmm more open give it a little more breathing room when you're you're not the main focus and, well, and that's one of the things that Cassandra Claire, Claire does so well is her ensemble casts her cast of secondary characters for me is almost always better than the primary characters I mean that's like the love triangle got resolved in TMI mm-hmm. because of Simon and Izzy but right. if that wasn't a thing it would still be unresolved and it would still feel weird because it's like, okay, Simon, you've been in love with Clary. And then now all of a sudden you just are like, oh, no, I get it. She's cool. We're just we're just buddies now. And we're parabatai. Uh-huh. I mean, sure. Could it happen? Did it seem likely with how obsessed fucking Simon was with Clary? No. No. But I think it was nice for him to realize, okay, this isn't actually love. Like, in that sense. Right. Right. You know? I just wish it would have it been earlier. And uh-huh. more apparent. Yep. Because it, it was kind of like, a oh, he's just 
acting normal for the next three books like kind of just a buddy in the background like he he gets it he accepts it but he's it's clear that he still loves her. Well, and the thing is for me that always got that if Clary never found out about the shadow word world, I think that they would be together. Uh, I agree. Uh-huh. So it's kind of just like, it's hard to like, basically like he's, he's obviously Simon does some creepy stuff, which we've discussed. Thanks Amanda for ruining my life, but whatever. Right. Um, But at the same time, it's like that has to like, like in his head, he's like, if we would have never went here this night and this would have never happened in this, like, yeah, my life could have been totally different. And I think he probably was dwelling on that until, For sure. you know, he explores the stuff with Izzy or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And, and then the, the love. Don't get me wrong. Sorry. I think. Uh, sorry. I, I think Simon and Izzy together is a great match. They me too. really play off of each other really well. Yep. So and, and they give each other exactly what they need, which is what I really loved about the second half of TMI is uh-huh. seeing Simon's relationship with Izzy and seeing how he like realizes that, wait, I'm kind of a fuck boy. Like I need to chill the fuck out and like get my shit straight. And uh-huh. then he realizes like, wait, no, I really care about Izzy. And I'm, and then he's there with there for her emotionally, mm-hmm. which was like, Oh my God, he's finally growing up. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It's so funny to think about. Cause it's like, we're talking about the last three of the mortal instruments. The things I remember about that are Peter Lupus and Jordan Kyle yeah. and Maya and Simon and Izzy. I don't really care or remember about the Jace Sebastian <sighs> traveling house weird Clary thing. Like, I don't like I'm more into the other characters than that. Dude. But it's like, OK, so the love triangle in the last hours to yes. me seems like. OK, Cordelia, obviously has always loved James and we know that James loves Cordelia as well right exing the the gracelet right yes yes the fandom dubbed it um so to me that's a very like kind of like cut and dry whatever and then you throw Matthew into the mix but the thing is and I've told you this before I do not like the Matthew Lucy thing that's not no mm -mm. no thanks bye yeah that he had a crush on her or vice versa or whatever like yeah. I don't know I'm not into it the thing that I think that Matthew gets from Cordelia is she's an outsider to the Mary Thieves okay uh-huh. obviously and he uh-huh. is he the whole London enclave knows Matthew Fairchild acts a certain way and is a certain way and he's this yep. person and he has yep. to in his brain live up to the standards he set for himself regardless That's of how odd Yes. Regardless of how he's feeling inside. And Mm -hmm. Cordelia is somebody from the outside that doesn't have to, you know, do that. So he feels like he can kind of like be more open with her. And then him feeling vulnerable and him feeling like he has someone to lean on in his head is like, oh, I must have feelings for her, which I think that he doesn't like Cordelia is beautiful, obviously. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I don't think he feels for her the way that he thinks he does. And I think that I they would be very, very good friends. My hot take is I don't think Lucy is really doing like, like I get that people are annoyed that she's lying and she's not telling people or whatever. And oh my God, she's doing necromancy. And I'm like, it's exactly what you motherfuckers would do. Like just because she didn't bring her friend with her, right? Like that, that's what people are upset about is that she's not telling everybody what's going on, but everyone treats Lucy like she's like, the annoying kid sister what do you expect if you don't treat her like she's really part of this group 
Right. Because they don't. Because they, they, she's younger and she's James's little sister. And yeah, she's part of their group, but not when it comes to the real shit. They don't bring her when they... Like, they don't, unless she's just there, they don't think about her in the same way, like, their core group is. And so I'm like, what do you expect? Like, she's off doing her own thing and and figuring out her shit. And I don't blame her at all. The thing for me, it's like, okay. Because, obviously, first, sorry, just real quick. No, tell me. in, In gold. Right. I thought Lucy was so annoying. A lot of people thought she was really charming and fun. And I'm like, no, no, no. She's a fucking baby. She's a child. And I'm so annoyed. And then in Chain of Iron, like all the feedback I was reading was like, oh, my God, Lucy's so annoying. Like, she's just being so reckless and blah, blah, blah. And I'm over here reading Chain of Iron like fucking finally Lucy's growing some balls. She's getting some shit done. Like, hell, yes. My thing is, I don't know, like. Okay, number one, her working so closely with Grace and Tatiana Mm -hmm. when she knows that those are conniving biatches is like whatever. And I think it's sort of like she owes Jesse nothing and she doesn't really know him that well, apart from being like this distant childhood memory of somebody that saved her and then talking to him and him coming in. And I feel like she like he was it. He read her story that she had. Was that right? It was. Yeah. 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 He he read her book that she was uh, writing. Uh-huh. And you can tell in her books that basically she is obsessed with like prince and princesses and fantasy uh-huh. worlds and stuff. So it's in her head. I think it's like, oh, this is my I get to live my story. Right. This oh. charming uh-huh guy and I'm going to save him and we're going to live happily ever after and stuff but it, to me it seems like so very idealistic yeah I, exactly and then just to like work with Grace who's still regardless of what is still ruled by Tatiana and her influence she's breaking away she is she is but I think if Tatiana you know what I mean I think that she would still be able to sway her to do whatever which doesn't mean that Lucy's going to but it right. seems like such a lot to put, what am I trying to say, in danger for Jesse. I don't know. I just. So so is it that you just don't feel a connection between Jesse and Lucy? Or like, because like, Jesse hasn't done anything to make us suspicious of him. Like he hasn't done anything to make us be like, oh, he's a bad dude. Or I any indication really. I think it's just maybe. I was reading. A fan theory, which kind of was just like, okay, that makes sense. And they had said basically, again, I feel bad that I'm not, didn't write these people's usernames down or whatever. But it was basically like Jesse and every other, okay, here, every other Shadowhunter world building love situation, the characters do not need to say they like each other or they're in love or whatever. You know, because of all this subtlety, like. Oh, the way he looked at her, the way. And then in that one, Jesse and Lucy physically had to state the fact that they like it had to be stated that they had, you know, out loud or whatever. They had feelings for each other. There was none of that nuancey sort of like, which it's raises issues because he's dead. Well, it raises issues because he's dead or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like they haven't known each other that long. And I guess it's how old is Lucy? 15. Yeah, I guess that kind of just necromancy for the sake of bringing this guy back that 
you know, you don't know that well. I don't know. I mean, sure. But at the same time, like fucking Jason Clary were in love in like a week and a half, like three days. Uh It was like three days. (laughs) And she was asleep for part of that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like insta love is a hundred percent a thing. Um, But I think the one of the appealing things for Lucy is that Jesse sees her. Uh-huh. She's lived in the shadow of James and his magic forever. And so, yeah, when she realizes that, you know, her power is controlling the dead, which is massive. Like, that is such a big fucking deal. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, she doesn't tell everybody. I understand it. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, she's constantly, like, everything's about James and his friends. And she's just, like, along for the ride. And so she's car- she wants to carve out her own way. And because of her power, the- I think that's why I'm okay with the necromancy thing. Because I'm like, it's not a far leap. Okay? she's She has the power to control the dead. Like, of course she's going to do something like ne- necromancy. Like, like, that's, like, her realm, right? That makes sense to me. And, like, yeah, it's super illegal. But, like, so is burning down Blackthorn Manor. And right. <laughs> fucking, you know, <laughs> blowing up the school. Like... <laughs> I just I really I do okay here's the thing let me just yeah. reset that I really love Lucy as a character I do and too. I liked her in Chain of Gold also I did yeah. I know I I would I needed time to warm up I was I just thought she was annoying so it's I just, just it's because she was very immature right which to me seems me. like it seems like their immaturity was based on like this was like, oh, my sweet summer child, you haven't seen a real winter yet sort of thing on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because uh-huh. the For clockwork sure. angel, the clockwork army was defeated. And then it seems like they've had bliss since then. Yeah, and pretty much. Tessa was and Will were what? When that happened? 18? 19? Yeah. And their For kids now? their adult life. Yeah. It's have raised their entire life. Oh, we had summers in Idris and picnics and parties. And it's like their main thing that they're, they're worried soft. about is like... <laughs> How to like introduce people at a ball correctly, and you're not supposed to have too many yeah. dances with this person or whatever. And they started focusing on the societal stuff, yeah. yeah, instead of actual like, and people do patrols or whatever, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a big deal. So yeah. I feel like that made sense for her to act like that. I agree. And Cordelia's life was different than theirs because they spent time traveling because uh-huh. of Elias's job, so she yeah. was like seeing other things in different cultures and and yeah. having to be different and act different. So Cordelia being about the same age but having a different level of maturity and stuff made sense to me. Yeah. In that aspect of it. But I feel like I even agree. god what's her name? Oh, what am I trying what is her name? Um not Ariadne. Um Christa Chris uh, Anna Lightwood? No, not Anna. Oh. Um the the girl that was engaged just because they wanted to get engaged because Cordelia was engaged. Oh. Oh. Uh-huh. No. You I know what I'm talking about. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um cuz she just she wants to be queen reigning peacock yeah. lady. So when Cordelia yeah. and James get engaged, they have to get engaged. And then yeah. they have to have a better like engagement party. They got so- married before James and Cordelia did specifically for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
I like that to me is totally like Lucy fits into the not that she acts like that, but that like this is our biggest issue is yeah, this other you know yeah kind of the death of the Victorian era, the beginning of mm-hmm. the Edwardian sort of like yep. Anyway, so it made sense for Lucy to be like that. I guess I'm just I I don't want her to. I really like her character, so I don't want her to arc evil or have anything oh, bad happen to will. her is what it is. Or like her to do anything. Like I said, like, I guess that I guess what you're saying makes sense, too, because it's like Cordelia is so wrapped up in her stuff with James and yeah. Cortana and because she's well, having all and- those issues with Cortana and stuff that she's kind of ignoring Lucy, too. Well, yeah, because Lucy was so excited for her best friend to come. Like, oh, my God, my pair of a tie, my best friend, someone that's going to be here just for me. Everyone else is here because of my brother, because he's like the center of of their little universe. Like everyone revolves around James and Cordelia was supposed to be her thing. Right. Mama, the Holly Wahid. Yep. <laughs> just had to let you know. <laughs> Cordelia coming was going to be like her lifeline. Like, oh, now my life gets to start. I get to have my own thing. Uh-huh. And then Cordelia is immediately in love with her brother. And then by the end of the first book, they're getting engaged, which Lucy's like, oh, great. You can be my sister. <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, this is awesome. Um, But, you know, deep down, she's like, Are you f- so James took another thing from me. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of the reason why she doesn't want to tell anybody about Jesse because she doesn't. She knows that he's a ghost and this is probably like this would raise flags even for shadow hunters. Right. Right. But he's her thing and she doesn't want it to get taken over. And well, I and, understand that. So I'm again, I'm having issues remembering. Yeah. So almost said Mark Matthew and Cordelia went on that car ride adventure to oh, find. Okay. Hold on. We because we we just covered it. I, I just want to say something about Matthew and, and Cordelia really quick. Their relationship and the way that like, I think I think you're right. Part of partially when you you were talking about like their relationship and how he's like he's quote unquote like in quotes Matthew Fairchild right like everybody knows him as this caricature that he creates right Uh uh-huh and and what you were saying about their like she's someone new that can actually get to know the real Matthew and all of those things I think that happened and that vulnerability happened because he saw the way James was treating Cordelia and that pissed him off uh-huh. Like, I think that's that was the seed that started it because he's like Cordelia is a really good person and you're literally shitting on her like you left her on the dance floor to go find Grace like as soon as she walked in the room like that's fucked up uh-huh. and because they're so because they are so aware of society because that's their whole life because there's no fucking demons in London right now uh-huh. you know they've always grown up with that I think that that was the trigger and then he felt bad like like oh my god like you're my ba- you're my parabatai. And you're treating her like this. This is fuck. This is the same thing as like Jem coming to like clean up what Will made a mess of. Uh huh. Right. But then he gets to know Cordelia and then they get to have that relationship where she doesn't she's not pre, she doesn't have preconceived notions of him. Mm-hmm. And then and then I think that leads into what what you were saying. But like that part, if James had not been shitty to Cordelia, the Matthew Cordelia like 
connection in that love triangle would have never happened. I don't think so either. Well, and the thing, and I think in defense of Matthew, he, I don't think, he doesn't know about the bracelet because, right? Because after they just find out about it, like towards the end of Chain of Iron, right? Yeah. So it's like he, so in everything he knows, the whole thing is a sham. And James really doesn't like Cordelia. Cordelia and Matthew don't know. I, I, at the end of Chain of Iron, I don't think they know about They don't the know about the bracelet. James had just figured it figured it out and was about to go tell them, yeah. From Grace, but they didn't, like, they did the running through the airport, the right. plane takes off thing, basically. Yeah. So it's like, you, he, in defense of him, he really, he thinks that the, that James's feelings are genuine towards Grace. Because everybody mm-hmm. thinks that, including James himself. Now, Matthew does know that there's something going on with Grace because Grace did like manipulate him into kissing her. Uh-huh. And so he knows she's evil. Right, exactly. And that there's something going on, but he's like I've done everything to get my you know, to get James to like see reason and he has confronted James multiple times about the way that he's treating Cordelia. Uh-huh. And so it's not like he's snaking his best friend's wife. Exactly. Let's be honest. He's been up front like you are an asshole you're being a shitty person stop doing this to this poor girl who has done nothing Uh like she's literally helping you out she sacrificed her her entire um reputation to save your ass and you're treating her like garbage so I don't know like I don't and everybody knows that it's a false marriage right like their whole Uh little group knows so I don't I honestly feel like it's like, James, you don't really have a leg to stand on right now. And I understand he was under a magical spell and all of that, but the magical spell was just for him to forget that he loved her. Uh-huh. It, and it, to do Grace's not, bidding. Uh, right. Like, it didn't make him treat her like a piece of shit. That was uh-huh. all him. And, you know, well, I, and I, I get is- it. Like, there's reasons why things happen, but, like... I feel mm-hmm. like from Matthew's perspective, he's done. He fought the good fight. He yep. did everything that he could. And now he's like, you know what? Fuck him. I like her. And you are being an asshole. So, like, yep. I'm going to shoot my shot. And I don't really blame him for that. Uh-huh. I don't see it being a thing. Oh, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I don't think Cordelia. Cordelia is in love with James. Like, that's never going to happen. Uh-huh. I don't, that's but what I, I think s- Cordelia is taking this opportunity to help Matthew stop drinking. Yep. Well, that and yeah. she wants to, I think she wants to get away from. Oh, for sure. She's like, I am so sick of getting shit on by the guy I love. Like, this is a this is a Tessa Will thing, like times a thousand. She's like, we were making out in bed. And then he's like hugging Grace. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> Talk about confused. Right? Quits, you're spitting me. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, again, I think maybe this. all over the place. Well, this conversation, my feelings might be different with Grace and Jesse had I just read the book, too, instead of trying to reread about things that happened. Because all those little nuancey stuff just kind of. Right. I do. I do want to ask you about your feelings about Grace after Chain of Iron. Because I was so fucking pissed 
I was so pissed that Cassandra Clare made me feel sorry for Grace. I mean, I was so mad. Here's the thing. I like, I want to just hate her. Dude, I don't. Okay. For her as a person, I hope not. But there's this theory that basically Tatiana possessed her to forget about her family and be Mm -hmm. like her, basically her little like obeying robot because she Mm -hmm. makes this claim. Basically Grace is talking about how she couldn't like, I should be able to remember my parents and all this stuff, but I can't like, I can't Mm -hmm. remember these things that happened. And if that's the case, obviously, yeah, I feel really bad for her because she's just orphaned, taken in, potentially Mm -hmm. brain scrambled and then made to do number one, losing Jesse lost her sense of humanity. Yeah. Cause he was, what was tying her to whatever. He was the only one that was kind to her. Uh huh. And basically like for what we know and for what she remembers her life. Right. I just, as but she was, wasn't she like six, seven, I think. Okay. So like I can buy into maybe Tatiana had her, memories of her family like scrubbed by a warlock totally I don't think she was possessed I think I think that and if that goes down that way that's a cop out Uh because they set it up really well that Grace was abused Uh uh-huh right Tatiana abused her she grew up in an abusive home she lost her brother who was the only one that was kind to her like that's why she behaved the way that's why she was scared of Tatiana and did what she wanted her to do. Uh-huh. Like it's, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. I like, don't think so either. Growing up in an abusive household is enough to make uh-huh. you fearful to do whatever they fucking tell you to do. You don't have to be possessed. I don't and think so, so if, either. If they go that route, I would be pissed because I feel like this is enough of a reason. Well, and the thing like, is, I'm sure she's afraid that if she doesn't do what Tatiana does, then she won't be able to see Jesse anymore either. Right. Exactly. And and she says that explicitly. Like, she's uh-huh. going to keep him from me if I if I don't. And she's all I have. I don't have anyone else in my life uh-huh. that he, will be yeah. on my side. Jesse, no he's one, all he's, she has. Yeah. Right. And he's a fucking ghost. Right. So, and Tatiana has kept her isolated from anybody. So she doesn't trust anyone. She doesn't know because all she's ever heard being alone in a, in a house with her mom and her ghost brother is everyone else is evil. Everyone, you, you know what I mean? Like she's been brainwashed. Uh-huh. So of course. And I think that Grace and Lucy are going to develop a friendship. Me and too. That's going to bring Grace into the fold. And a hundred percent. I am a Grace and Christopher Stan. I need them to be together. I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. They're fucking nerdy in their little lab. Like that that's going to be amazing. I, I just it. don't know. And I know it's probably explained, but my brain's not. Yeah. So Grace gave the bracelet to Charles when they got engaged. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then why did she give it back to James again? Cuz her mom wanted to have uh, control over James. Because Belial wanted control over James. Exactly. Right. And so that's... Because because the the whole thing with um, Charles Buford 
that whole thing was Grace's ploy to focus her mom's attention on somebody else. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, well, he's going to be the next. He's the the son of the 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 console and he's going to be the next console. So um, if I'm with him, then she can't hurt me. Uh Right. But then her mom found a way to like, you know, I'm going to take Jesse from you. You better do what I want. And, And so she she went back and gave it back to to um, James but I think that was her that was her trying to fight against because she she knows what's right and wrong mm-hmm. but she's very confused because she's been manipulated her whole life right you know well and she's she may um, know what's right or what's wrong but she's not at that point where she's like okay well I'll just I've suffered my whole life I'll just suffer more and like just do what's right because yeah blah 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 right and because yeah. she's a teenager and that's a giant sacrifice and you know and she's scared of like, course it's okay to try to be brave and then to get too scared like i i think grace needs to get be given a break mm-hmm. i i understand yes she's done very bad things but she also is a kid who well and has i think been manipulated the thing is, it's like you want a villain, right? Or someone to hate. Right. It's like, if you're like, Grace, Grace, Grace. It's Tatiana. It's always been Tatiana. Yeah. She's the villain. So yeah, I'm fine evil. with Grace getting redemption. Yeah. I am too. I didn't want to after the first book because I'm like, this bitch. And then like, I'm like, oh, she's got a fucking tragic backstory. God of damn it. Of course she does. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing I was reading and I agree with basically, um, a lot of people are saying the f- plot falls flat on the last hours versus the dark artifices. Cause the dark artifices was, was so plot driven. And so whatever yeah. mm-hmm. I like the character so much on the last hours. I don't care me either. And I don't feel like I've read a lot of stuff about like people who have issues with pacing, but I'm like, I don't, I didn't feel that in chain of iron. I didn't, I Every fucking every at the end of every chapter, I was like, "God damn it, I gotta fucking read." Because, you know, uh-huh. I I didn't feel like there it it dragged for me. But also, I really enjoyed all of the pageantry and and like the wedding and all this stuff. And and I like the little moments when where where like they're not necessarily fighting or the plot isn't really going. Like the the connection moments between mm-hmm. characters, those are like. I love that shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was I was fine with that. A hundred percent. What are your percent? So I, I looked up the release date. The release date is November of twenty twenty two. Okay. For Chain of Thorns. So we're a year off. Do you have any predictions? What do you think? Um Number one, you're kind of changing my mind and making me feel bad about what I may or may not have said about Jesse and Grace, <laughs> or not on Grace and uh, Lucy. So there's that. Well, because also Jesse had the same mom. Uh huh. I Tatiana's forgot about that. Fucking crazy. Well, and she was psycho with him because it was her only son. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And she, you know, her husband got murdered before she like even found out she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I may or may not take back what I said about him. 
I do think, okay, so this is the other thing I'm trying to remember. Did Cordelia tell Lucy about her being Lilith's paladin? I can't remember. And the thing with Cortana and stuff. I think she told Matthew. I don't think she told, because I, I don't think Lucy was around. Lucy okay, so was with Grace and Jesse. Here's the thing. I feel like Cordelia and Lucy being parapetai was convenient for her parents to have a, uh-huh. mo- a reason to come to London and a reason they have to train so that way nobody yeah. will know about Elias or whatever. Yeah. So it seems like it was kind of arranged. I don't know if the girls and they're just like, oh my God, yeah, let's be parapetai. But I don't know if they're taking it as seriously as uh-huh. the commitment it is. Yeah. And... Well- because they haven't, they're not parasite yet. No. Right? They no. haven't done the ceremony. Uh-uh. Okay, listen. I have a theory. And this is wild. It's probably not going to happen. I have a theory that for whatever reason, Cordelia and Lucy are not going to end up being parabatai. I think Lucy and Grace are going to end up being parabatai. But I, it does make me wonder if maybe Cordelia being Lilith's paladin makes it so she can't go through the ceremony. What is that even like? Okay. So, I mean, I get. I don't know. I only know D&D rules. I don't know what the rules are in this world of what a paladin so, is. So here's, okay, they took the car ride to see Wayland, right? The Smith. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But Sorry. it was actually Lilith in disguise. Correct. And Which, she. Okay, when you were reading that part, were you not going, this seems too fucking easy. What are you doing? How convenient. Yeah, what? You just met this guy. Why are you swearing fealty to him? What What is happening? Uh-huh. No. I'm like, there's no proof. You didn't ask for ID or even a business card. Yeah. <laughs> if you look under 35, you got an ID. <laughs> right? So she swears fealty to uh-huh. who she thinks is Waylon the Smith, but it's actually Lilith. Right. right. Which fixes Cortana, right? Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. Cortana was not. Because what does Lilith do to fix Cortana? I don't understand. So so Lilith had um, a fairy woman at the um, at um, Hypatia's uh, club. Mm-hmm. She had the fairy woman like cursed the blade, basically. Okay. To where it would burn Cor- uh, uh, Cordelia's hand whenever she touched it. Like, so Lilith had her do that. And then, so it made Cordelia think that there was something wrong with her. So then she went on this pilgrimage. And so Lilith just took her own spell off of it. Like, that, I think that's all she did. I, gotcha. I don't I don't think she really did anything other than just make uh-huh, it not burn uh-huh. her anymore. Because there was nothing wrong that's with Cortana right. in the first place. Well, and she put all those, like, wheels in place at the club to get Cordelia to think that she can go find Waylon the Smith. And he can exactly. fix it and stuff. Yeah. Right, because it was the fairy lady that talked about Waylon the Smith. Uh-huh. That's right, that's under, right. You know, the whatever. Yeah. So Sorry. she totally fell for the trap because these are children. Uh-huh. And there's no match against a primordial being. Well, and she tried to talk to Jim about it, but he wasn't available, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Because Cordelia is a very smart character. Yeah. 
as opposed to being reckless or whatever. So anyway, that's right. That's right. And so what is being Lilith like? Has she had to do anything about it? But she's just like, hey, one day I'm going to make you do shit for me. Yeah. So so she has to be her champion. And so in the final in the battle with uh, Belial, with when Leviathan is trying to come through the fucking courtyard and like murder everybody and all that. And they're over with uh, Charles Buford and and everybody in that little place or whatever. And uh, Belial has taken Jesse's form and they're like, oh, shit, it's you. And they fucking realize everything. During that time, Cordelia, like, can't, um, because she is Lilith Paladin, as she finds out that she's Lilith Paladin, um, she can't, I, I think it's, she can't fight. Belial because because she doesn't uh, Lilith Lilith doesn't want her to so she can't like because she has to do her bidding I think that's I I rem- and then James somehow did some shadow shit and like figured it out okay because remember Lilith told her that she had to attack James and she was like ah <laughs> just like that just like that yeah um Mind you, I have not read this in a year uh-huh. or so. So or not a year because it has not been out for a year, but like March, since March. It's been a while. When I first read it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to remember what the final battle, but there was something about like, it came into play. Her being Lilith Paladin came into play in the final battle. So there is going to be some sort of like issue, I think. But I don't know. We don't. We. Ne- I don't think we've ever met a paladin in this world, so we don't really know what the rules are. Well, and I know oh, there's a moment where Katarina Loss is talking to Emma, uh huh, and she was just like, "Oh, you have Cortana." Yeah. And she talks about Cordelia specifically, mm-hmm. and knowing mm-hmm. her, and what a bamf she was. And I don't think Katarina's really been around Cordelia thus far. Right. right. So I feel like she's going to be in Chain of Thorns because they oh, had Katarina. that interaction mm-hmm. with Emma. Okay. One thing that I need, I need answered. And I feel like as a service to us faithful readers, Cassandra Clare should wrap this up in Chain of Thorns. Why is Bridget, like, fucking immortal? Who? What is she? What is she? She's something. She's not fucking human. Because she's, like, 104 in TDA. And she's still there. Oh, is she? Because, remember, Julian and his family go to the London Institute um, to stay with their great aunt or something. And... The the cook there, Bridget, is like just this old or this old lady. But but it's the same lady. And I'm like, how how is she still alive? Huh. What's the midnight air? The midnight air? That's yeah. I think that's in Is that in the Shadow Hunter Academy or is that Ghost of the Shadow? Market. 
It's, it's the Bane one of the Chronicles, I think. Oh, it's the Bane Chronicles. Oh. It says, An Edwardian London, Magnus Bane discovers old friends and new enemies, including the son of his former comrade, Will Harrendale. Magnus thought he'd never return to London, but he's lured by a handsome offer from Tatiana Blackthorne, whose mm. plans involved her beautiful young ward, Grace, are far more sinister than Magnus even suspects. That would totally play into the mind-wiping theory because Magnus is known for his memory spells. I don't That's know. That's like his shtick. Maybe I Remember, should read it. He did. He yeah. He did the um. He did the um. Memory charm for the Pangborns. And Clary. Hmm. Sorry, I'm. I'm just. I'm scanning theories right now to see uh-huh. if, if there's anything that we should talk about. Like, I did hear a theory of, like, something horrible is going to happen to Matthew, which I fully believe. I fully believe it. Like, a hundred percent. Because Matthew is too amazing, and it will hurt so bad when something bad happens to him. I think Matthew is either going to become a werewolf or something. Oh, okay. I think something bad is going to happen to where Matthew is going to be, like... It's going to be bad. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. So this is from 10-19-2013. Okay. Oh, oh boy. Okay. I think Jesse's alive. One, it's mentioned in the family tree that he marries Lucy Herondale. And two, do you guys remember that he was sick? Maybe he was a changeling and the real Jesse Blackthorne shows up in the last hours and he's far better than Tatiana and that he and Lucy fall in love with each other and marry and live happily ever after. Okay. That would be cool. I I understand where that theory would be in 2013. Mm-hmm. Right? If we hadn't gotten Chain of Golden Iron, like, for sure, I could see that happening. But now that lucy and jesse have established a relationship like ghost jesse have established a relationship i don't think that that's a and he looks just like his dad uh-huh right? is how we we know that however that would have been a very good turn of events and i do think that fairy is gonna come into play in this next book tatiana hired magnus to try to that's what the the last air the mid whatever it is she okay. tries to hire him to bring Jesse back to life, by, and he has to kill five shadow hunters or whatever. Oh, and he's like, uh, no. Right. <laughs> Which I guess that's what she has Belial do, right? Yep. That's exactly what Belial did. Belial possesses Jesse and then uses his yep. body to kill the five shadow hunters. So I think this Bane Chronicle story is just her trying to get Magnus to do that. Right. Got it. That makes sense. I'm, I'm excited to see what, um role Magnus will play at, in the final book of the series just because Magnus is always a big deal in all of the books like like there's something whether it's a final clue that they need or something very specific or, or whatever like he always plays a part uh-huh so I'm interested to see what he does for them and I think that Magnus is going to be the one to help Lucy with her power yeah, I think so. Because she's she used it to save them over the bridge, right? With the ghost people uh-huh. in the water. But other than that, she hasn't really, like... And I can't remember. So I could be wrong. So sorry if I am. Um, 
I, I can't remember, but I think Magnus clocked something going on with Lucy on the bridge. Uh-huh. I but, think but so, But he too. didn't say anything. So so I think, I think, and plus, like, I'm sure he could notice the, the magic. Like, he could tell that magic was around her or whatever. Uh-huh. But, um, but Magnus is good about keeping it to himself until the time is right or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, you know, he's an old man. He, he, he gets it. So he's got good timing. Um, but, but I think when push comes to shove, I think Will is going to call on Magnus to help him in Cornwall. Um, with, when him and James go to find Lucy and I, and I think Magnus is going to play a part in helping Lucy, like get her shit together and figure out how to use her power correctly. Uh huh. However, there is, cause there's a lot of talk about Lucy and Jesse being like Romeo and Juliet, right? You know, warring families, that whole star-crossed thing, lovers. star-crossed lovers, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think, and, and I think I've said this before to you. I don't know if we've ever said it on air. My theory for Chain of Thorns is that the the sacrifice that Lucy has to make to bring back Jesse is going to be half of her life. I think she's going to have to be a ghost for, like, she's going to turn into a ghost at night and be a human during the day. I think is what's going to happen because there, there has to be some sort of sacrifice of bringing someone to life, you know? Okay. So they'll both be humans by day and ghosts by night. Yeah. That's what I think. Okay. That is delicious. Right. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm like, okay, so she splits her life with him in order to satisfy the balance between life and death. Okay. I like that. I dig it. Yeah, we'll see. I do it, too. It's, it's probably not even close to what happens because it never is. But <laughs> well, I guess I forgot the fact too that Jesse doesn't really know what the girls are doing because they're doing it during the no. day. Exactly, and he's completely and he's not... against it. Right, and it, and he's been against like Lucy getting because he doesn't want Lucy to be in danger and he doesn't want Grace to be in danger. Uh huh. So yeah, I guess I did forget about that too. Oh, okay. Well, we, I think we've, we've, we've gabbed a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I, I think that we definitely should do what Robin, Robin suggested a really good idea for one of these bonus episodes is to talk about specifically the female characters, um, in these books, um, and how they're represented and, and what like they're, you know, the contrasts and similarities between their characterization and stuff. So I think that's a really good one that we, we should definitely do. I agree. Robin had a genius idea. Well, and we have, I don't know how many more of these to do. So, um, constructive feedback, regardless of it's positive or negative is appreciated as long as it's constructive. And, um, Thanks yeah, for... l- let us know what you want us to talk about. Obviously, this is a very loose episode. It was very last minute, you know, trying to, like, make sure that, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, So going forward, the bonus episodes will have a little more structure than this. Like, right. <laughs> this was like, a... crap, let's just hit record and talk about Shadowhunters because you can do that for a while. Yeah, pretty much. We got the mm-hmm. gift of gab. Saw the ADD in our brains say. go from one to the other. Uh huh. Uh huh. For sure. So yeah, let us know if you know. We we will do a chain of iron, um, like 
impressions review episode. Um, but I need to reread it because I don't remember it well enough. So it, it'll be a while before we do that. But um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have it? anything else? No. You don't need to read anything next time either because like. Nope. Uh, so we will see you guys next time. I guess I should read. You know what? I'm. No, I'll just read it. Never mind. I was going to I was going to just steal Amanda's uh, sign off from another episode. You should do it. it. Okay, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Okay, and in case you guys missed her, like Amanda's sign off is going to be next. We're going to do that. Yeah, just so you get to hear her voice. (laughs) Yep. For behind the scenes content and the latest updates, check us out on Instagram at Downworld or Dish Podcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.